Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the Redeemed and Restored podcast, where we connect every Friday so that together we can intentionally discover the faithfulness of God. So today's episode of Redeemed and Restored is entitled Going Back to Church, Part 1. This was such a huge step for me after more than a decade of brainwashing that any normal Bible-based Christian church was on the wide road and totally compromising their Christian faith, which meant that this church that I was now going to, one of the most vibrant on the plateau, would not escape God's judgment and wrath. I even remember one of the members who managed the Salt Shaker bookstore in town, which belonged to the cult, proclaiming that the pastor of the summit mows his lawn on Sundays and how sinful that was to not honor the Sabbath. So remember the no gossip policy I talked about before? Funny how gossiping was okay if it smeared the competition or anyone with credibility who could challenge the cult heresy. Talk about hypocrisy. Now that I'm actually married to that same pastor, I know full well about how he spends his Sundays, which happens to be a workday for him and not the Sabbath that he honors. Back in those days, he tells me he probably did mow the lawn once or twice on a Sunday, but that's not a conviction for him. Just one more thing I love about that man. He is not a legalist who judges everyone's every move to try and make himself feel more spiritual. So I filmed the intro to the video of this episode in front of the sanctuary at the summit. And think back to my early days of going back to church, listening to sermons from that pulpit, being part of a small group, learning again what a healthy body of believers functions like. What a blessing it is when we are planted in a church led by a genuine shepherd, one who feeds and protects his flock and does not use and abuse them. A place of safety where we can grow together and learn to love others as we learn to love God. So take a moment, write a review on Apple so maybe even more folks can find this podcast and be encouraged. Or you may even know someone who needs to hear this message, so please share the link with others. You might even want to visit my YouTube channel to see the video version of the podcast and connect with the conversations happening over there. All you have to do is type into your browser redeemedandrestored.tv and you'll find the video broadcast there. So hey, let's get started. Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here and welcome to this week's edition of Redeemed and Restored. The segment is titled Going Back to Church Part One. It took me about six weeks to be able to pick up my Bible and actually start reading it again. There were so many hurtful scriptures that were used to bludgeon my heart. I just had to rest in his presence and soak up the love of God through that devotional that I started reading. It took me another month before I was even open to stepping foot into a church. My friend invited me to go to one of the largest and most active churches on the plateau which was located right here in Enumclaw, the Summit EFC, which stands for Evangelical Free Church of America, best known for their pastor Chuck Swindoll from Southern California. 
I was hesitant, but I knew I had to soften my heart. It had become so hard with all the us versus them talk that filled us with pride and judgmental attitudes toward the church in America. I was finally persuaded and I went with my friend and her family. She'd encouraged me whenever I had a thought that was an attitude born in the cult to stop and pray. Holy Spirit, what do you say? That was such a lifesaver for me. I will never forget the first worship service I attended. The worship leader was barefoot on the platform. I could feel myself getting all uppity and indignant. How irreverent is that? How dare she? All of a sudden, I remember to pray that prayer. No sooner than it went through my mind and heart did an answer come back. Well, David danced naked before the Lord. How would you have felt about that? Ugh, I was so convicted. When another accusatory thought came, I prayed again. Holy Spirit, what do you say? And the sweet presence of the Lord filled my heart as he whispered, you're standing on holy ground, aren't you? The announcement came between the worship and the sermon that next week they were doing an all-church study, and it would be called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Wow, that sounded like just what I needed. I'd already done enough research to realize how emotionally toxic the environment was that I lived in for over a decade. So to learn what actual emotionally healthy spirituality looked like was a welcome thought. It seemed providential that I had made my way to the summit at the very moment. I got plugged into a small group of women from the church so we could all go through the curriculum together. I felt very much at home and welcomed. I learned so much during this time and the light was so bright on the dysfunction of my last 13 years. Oh my The sermon I heard early on and one week's topic in our Bible study on emotionally healthy spirituality was entitled Journey Through the Wall. I can't tell you how many times I've hit the wall, especially in my time as a Christian. And instead of going through it, I would run away from it, deny it, try to go over it or under it or around it, anything but allow God to let me get to the end of myself and do a deep work in my heart. I hit the wall in 1988 when I realized that I had made earning a six-figure income a complete idol in my life. I knew I was to walk away from my senior vice president position with A.L. Williams, the company that I was working for that many of those people led me to the Lord. And I was to go help my husband, Chuck, in Point Man Ministries. I didn't slow down for long to let the conviction sink in about the idolatry that ruled my life. Nor did I even begin to ask the question, why was I such a workaholic? I hit the wall when God convicted me in 1993 about my involvement in multi-level marketing, showing me again how much of an idol it was, and how many people I'd led astray. 
I was depressed for months and I had no idea who I really was anymore. Instead of allowing God to take me through hitting the wall, that dark night of the soul, and purify me of many of the hurts that cause me to run from pain and use work and success to self-medicate, once again, I got distracted by helping Chuck develop Winepress into a booming business. I hit the wall again in 1998 when I felt emotionally numb and could not figure out what was wrong with me. I made a futile attempt to get counseling and figure out what was going on inside me, but I didn't follow through. Instead, I got distracted again by preparing for Y2K and moving to Enumclaw from the town we were in, Muckleteo, which ultimately led me to joining the cult named Sound Doctrine in 1999. The wall is a portal or gateway that leads us to a deeper spirituality. It's what St. John of the Cross defined as the dark night of the soul. Pastor Ross, who became my pastor in 2012, defined it as God's way of pruning us of things we are unable or unwilling to discard from our soul. The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book, pages 120 to 121, said, For most of us, the wall appears through a crisis that turns our world upside down. It comes perhaps through a divorce, a job loss, the death of a close friend or a family member, a cancer diagnosis, a disillusioning church experience, a betrayal, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident an inability to get pregnant, a deep desire to marry that remains unfulfilled, a dryness or loss of joy in our relationship with God. We question ourselves, God and the church. We discover for the first time that our faith does not appear to be working. We have more questions than answers as the very foundation of our faith feels like it's on the line. We don't know where God is, what he's doing, where he's going, how he's getting us there, and when this will be over, end quote. I was definitely hitting the wall for those nearly 13 years of being in such an unhealthy and abusive so-called church. I went for so long feeling bewildered, hurt, and angry. And every time one of those emotions would emerge, I would beat myself up for feeling them. How rejuvenating it was to find out that these emotions needed to be expressed, acknowledged, and processed in order to come to a healthy Christian life, not denied or spiritualized away. Oh, I was so good at that. I was learning that God indeed could be trusted, even when humans betray us. God is still faithful to walk with us through the wall and bring us out on the other side with a new level of intimacy with him. A few weeks later, after spending time in deep sadness, I remembered a section in the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book that related to the way that I'd been feeling. 
I had learned recently about spiritualizing away conflict, which was one of the top 10 symptoms of emotional, unhealthy spirituality. I was especially convicted after reading the section on ignoring the emotions of anger, sadness, and fear. Here's the excerpt. Many of us Christians believe wholeheartedly that anger, sadness, and fear are sins to be avoided, indicating something is wrong with our spiritual life. Anger is dangerous and unloving towards others. Sadness indicates a lack of faith in the promises of God. Depression surely reveals a life outside of the will of God. And fear? The Bible is filled with commands to not be anxious about anything and do not fear. Philippians 4, 6 and Isaiah 41, 10. So what do we do? We try to inflate ourselves with a false confidence to make those feelings go away. We quote scripture, pray scripture, memorize scripture, anything to keep ourselves from being overwhelmed by those feelings. Wow, that is so true. David certainly didn't avoid those feelings all through the Psalms. He poured out his emotions to the Lord and was honest about how he felt. I've stated in the past that my pattern had been to run from pain. Whether it was work, a cause, a relationship, I would find anything that I could to dive into in order to minimize the pain that I carried in my heart. The busier I made myself, the more noise I had in my life, the better. That way I could ignore the pain and whatever it was the Lord tried to teach me from the dark night of the soul. He was trying to work. Here's more from the book. Quote, like most Christians, I was taught that almost all feelings are unreliable and not to be trusted. They go up and down and are the last thing we should be attending to in our spiritual lives. It is true that some Christians live in the extreme of following their feelings in an unhealthy, unbiblical way. It is more common, however, to encounter Christians who do not believe they have permission to admit their feelings or express them openly. This applies especially to the more difficult feelings, fear, sadness, shame, anger, hurt, and pain. Yet how can I listen to what God is saying to me and evaluate what's going on inside me when I am so imprisoned? To feel is to be human. To minimize or deny what we feel is a distortion of what it means to be image bearers of our personal God. To the degree that we are unable to express our emotions, we remain impaired in our ability to love God, others, and ourselves well. Yet, as we saw in the previous chapter, our feelings are also a component of what it means to be made in God's image. To cut them out of our spirituality is to slice off a part of our humanity, end quote. 
I guess I'd lived long enough in an emotionally unhealthy spirituality that I was ready to embrace my humanity and feel the emotions that came. It may not always look pretty or be happy. It may actually get downright messy. But one thing I know, it would be authentic. Yep, authentic. That's what I aimed for as I started to rebuild my life. Have you ever been made to feel that it was unspiritual to experience and communicate negative emotions? Like there was something wrong with you if you admitted you were struggling? Oh, how we have been forced to wear a mask, no pun intended, and die a little bit inside instead of learning the power of authenticity, vulnerability, and transparency. As we look back on our lives and Jesus illuminates those defining moments where we allowed ourselves to be shut down and silenced, my prayer is that he will give us the courage to be authentic. So, hey, thanks for joining me today. I'd sure appreciate it if you would like, follow, share, comment on the episode. I'd even love it if you would connect and let me hear how God is working in your life. My name is Athena Dean Holtz, and this is Redeemed and Restored. So thanks for joining us today on the Redeemed and Restored podcast brought to you by Athena Dean Holtz and the Romans 828 Bookstore, a division of Redemption Press. I'd love to have you review and share this podcast with friends, family, and others who could use the encouragement. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Athena Dean Holtz for more tips and tools to help you find the faithfulness of God. So thanks for joining us today. See you next week for another episode of Redeemed and Restored.